Well, good morning, everyone. Um, I think this is uh, possibly the first uh, time we've done this like this, so I hope it all works, but you're okay because <laughs> you're here. Um, but I hope that things are working elsewhere as well. Shall we begin uh, with some prayer? Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to look at your word. We don't take that lightly. We recognize you speak to us. And we thank you for that, Lord, but we also recognize that puts on us a responsibility to hear your word and put it into action. Lord, by your spirit, we pray that you would enable us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it has been quite a week, I think, for the world, for nations, for leaders, and many, many things have happened. And a lot of them have been cause for grief or sorrow. Earlier this week, we saw the funeral of our late Queen Elizabeth. Great processions and reflective services, individuals and groups alike just pouring out their sorrow in different ways as they mourned the loss of someone they respected but also someone they loved. A life on this earth had finished and there was lament. Days of mourning culminating in the state funeral. Well, this morning, as we continue our series in Lamentations, we're looking at chapter four out of five. So we've seen already um, that the author is a poet and he's using the voice of Jerusalem, the city and his own voice to to cry out and have this compassionate cry, this lament as he sees the suffering and the sorrow and the grief that are endured the context you may recall is the destruction of jerusalem by the babylonians uh, in 587 bc so this uh following many warnings really to israel that their sinful behaviors were going to uh, mean this would happen uh, and there would be a catastrophe and so the poetic book is structured with acrostics. Uh, and you'll see that in chapter four, and if there are a few Bibles left there, if you want uh, to get one, you'll see that in chapter four, once more, we've got 22 verses, each beginning with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Although, to be fair, in the NIV, that's pretty hard to spot. <laughs> but chapters one and two held this sort of pattern and then chapter three the peak and the climax of the book uh, tripled that with 66 so chapter four is kind of the start of a wind down which is a bit weird uh, for us we're used to it all building to the end um, and we're winding down from the heights of chapter three where we saw glimmer of hope a flicker from all this crying out in pain there was some hope but as we 
read chapter four, I think it is important to see that we are winding down a bit uh, from that height. So essentially, while um, there was that glimmer of hope, there is still all this suffering and pain. That's the now. And the tense used describes what is being experienced, not what's happened necessarily. So we're meant to feel like we're in this. So we're about to read it, but do look for great reversals. Things get turned around. So things that were once great are now brought to nothing or or worse, actually. So let's read um, chapter four then. How the gold has lost its luster. The fine gold become dull. The sacred gems are scattered at the head of every street. How the precious sons of Zion, once worth their weight in gold, are now considered as pots of clay, the work of a potter's hands. Even jackals offer their breasts to nurse their young, but my people have become heartless like ostriches in the desert. Because of thirst, the infant's tongue sticks to the roof of its mouth. The children beg for bread, but no one gives it to them. Those who once ate delicacies are destitute in the streets. Those nurtured in purple now lie on ash heaps. The punishment of my people is greater than that of Sodom, which was overthrown in a moment without a hand turned to help her. Their princes were brighter than snow and whiter than milk, their bodies more ruddy than rubies, their appearance like sapphires, but now they are blacker than soot. They're not recognised in the streets. Their skin has shriveled on their bones. It's become as dry as a stick. Those killed by the sword are better off than those who die of famine. Racked with hunger they waste away for lack of food from the field. With their own hands compassionate women have cooked their own children who became their food when my people were destroyed. The Lord has given full vent to his wrath. He has poured out his fierce anger. He kindled a fire in Zion that consumed her foundations. The kings of the earth did not believe, nor did any of the world's people, that enemies and foes could enter the gates of Jerusalem. But it happened because of the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests who shed within her the blood of the righteous. Now they grope through the streets like men who are blind. They're so defiled with blood, no one touches their garments. Go away! You are unclean, men cry to them. Away! Away! Don't touch us! When they flee and wander about, people among the nations say, They can stay here no longer. The Lord himself has scattered them. He no longer watches over them. The priests are shown no honour, the elders no favour.
Moreover, our eyes failed, looking in vain for help. From our towers we watched for a nation that could not save us. Men stalked us at every step so we could not walk in our streets. Our end was near, our days were numbered, for our end had come. Our pursuers were swifter than eagles in the sky. They chased us over the mountains and lay in wait for us in the desert. The Lord's anointed, our very life breath, was caught in their traps. We thought that under his shadow we would live among the nations. Rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom, you who live in the land of us. But to you also the cup will be passed. You will be drunk and stripped naked. O daughter of Zion, your punishment will end. He will not prolong your exile. But, O daughter of Edom, he will punish your sin and expose your wickedness. Well, if you think that is reading like some sort of tragedy catastrophe or atrocity even it is it was horrific what happened and we get a sense of that and certain things there will probably jump out at us more than others as being absolutely horrific and this chapter or section of the lament begins by looking really at the degradation and the desolation of the population it's the people everyone is affected so chapter two really was more about the structures there were the walls and the gates and the altar well this is about the people now the leaders the mothers the children so the chapter moves on a bit as well to look at political leaders, religious leaders, and even they are defiled and powerless. And then basically uh, the chapter moves on to look at the complete and utter despair in the face of all this. And then finally, brief and really, really minimal hope. Uh, basically the hope is that it will all end at some point. So, as we look through this in a little more detail then, we see the first ten, de ten verses. So, we're going through quite a long section of it, almost half of it. Um, detail, quite graphically, the degradation of the population. Those valuable, once considered valuable and important, are now worthless. The children are starved. The wealthy are now scavengers. And the healthy are all malnourished and diseased. Compassionate mothers are now cannibals. These really are shocking reversals. A once great city completely brought to ruin. But there's a little bit of an interlude there at the end of verse 10 when we come to verse 11. And the poet writes that actually the Lord has poured out his full wrath. 
So that, in a sense, is it. It is finished. God has done what he said he would do. And um, that's where we take the title of this talk from. Um, it is finished. There's a number of elements to that, but that's the first one. God has done what he said it would do. It is finished. And we see that in verse 11. It's all poured out. But the writer continues then <laughs> to describe the consequences of that. Uh, what has happened, and especially to the leaders of the nation, in verses 12 to 16. The Lord has brought about their ruin also. Kings, rulers, uh, not just of Israel, uh, but the whole world, they didn't think this was ever going to happen. So we could get a sense of that today from some points, that kings and rulers and leaders... Uh, may think things will be all right but actually um, when the Lord acts it's going to happen and we see that when uh, it's quoted there that God has done effectively what he said he would do God has brought this about even though the world didn't think it could happen and the prophets they should be in touch with God and see all this coming but even they didn't see it. The seers and the prophets can't see. What about those who are considered holy? Well, they are shown no respect either. They're unclean. So even the leaders have their positions reversed. And we might think um, some of our world and national leaders... Um, Recent ones like Trump, Johnson, that have been perhaps leaders of charisma. Um, do we look for charisma or character? Looking to recent events in the funeral of Queen Elizabeth this week. I would say she exemplified character over charisma every time. Uh, not surprising really, as suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope, as we read in Romans 5. Well, as we move on through chapter, uh, verse 17, um, we see something uh, a little different in a way, but more of the same in terms of lament. Um, certainly, it seems that it is finished. The city, finished. The nation, finished. Wiped out. It's the end. And despite much vain looking around, trying to do things, you get a sense of that uh, in verse 17. They're looking to themselves, can't help themselves. They look out to other nations to come and rescue them. Doesn't happen. Um, in the end, there's no salvation. There's no escape. There's no hope. It's finished. And the chapter, this poem of lament then goes on to conclude with perhaps the briefest flicker and the mildest of hopes, more brief even than chapter three. And that is the hope that it's finished. That actually what 
is going to happen and what follows is a restoration which begins with the exile but looking to the enemies as it were Edom still has it to come and that's that's the only hope in there not much of a hope but they're all the same so at the end of this lament of great reversals we see it is finished the punishment is finished the nation is finished well how the mighty have fallen they've come to this desperate end it's a huge reversal of affairs and they thought they were okay they listened to the false prophets who said they were okay they continued to act against God's laws there was mistreatment corruption greed amongst other things and now they're brought to ruin but actually not for the first time how the mighty have fallen has anyone heard that saying is quite a well-known one and it comes actually from another lament in the bible uh, from 2 samuel 1 and verse 19 as david laments the death of king saul and his son jonathan and it's actually a lament that was to be taught to, to all the men of judah so they've got this history of seeing this happen and it's still uh, not enough but I think for us we can see lament is clearly important. It's a significant part of the Bible and it has a purpose. It enables remembrance. It allows us to travel a path of grief and sorrow and pain slowly and deliberately. It condones crying out to God in pain, in anger and frustration it permits us to cry out why why are you doing this and it allows us to bring all of our thinking and our emotions and our circumstances and really just dump it all in front of God and say don't get it I don't understand why why are you doing this Well, having done that, um, we often, not always, but we often do know some answers. And it's clear in the book of Lamentations, the poet does acknowledge the sin of the people, the sin of the leaders, even the most holy leaders, the prophets, the priests. And ultimately, he does acknowledge his own part in that. He doesn't try and separate himself off from his people and say well yeah my people are really bad um i'm not really with them that you don't get a sense of that he's taking this all and seeing it as a member of that community and living in disobedience to god does have consequences and here we see them laid out but the israelites do look forward generally to a time when God will put everything right. God will send a Messiah. And as Christians we see that as when Christ dealt with sin. He took God's punishment for it. Upholding 
the just nature of God while simultaneously revealing his mercy and love. Proof of this, we can see that God's rescue plan actually did work, was that Jesus died and he cried, it is finished. And then God later raised Jesus from the dead, which, of course, is another great reversal. So while this chapter ends for the Israelites with a brief hope that it will all end at some point, we, here, now, today, can hold a greater hope, I believe, knowing that Christ has dealt with the sin that causes all of this stuff, knowing that God has given himself to buy us back, pay himself for our sin in order to reverse our destruction so that ultimately our eternal fate is not going to be what we see of Jerusalem, that destruction. We can avoid it. God's reversed that situation. And under his judgment, our sins do deserve all of this. Ruin, death, destruction. But instead, we're given a choice to live. A certain hope for the future. Whatever our lament may be now, and maybe that lament will continue for a long, long time. God can reverse it. And he reverses it through Jesus Christ. And we see the restoration of God's people to himself. Sin is dealt with, but it remains temporarily. Death is defeated, but most will still experience it. There is assurance of ultimate rescue and salvation for those who hope. And trust in Jesus Christ. But this suffering and pain is part of life. It's part of the journey. So to, to conclude then I think we can say we can and we should lament troubles. But we can know and say that in the end... It is finished. It is finished. So I'm just going to leave a little moment uh, of quiet. And then we're going to um, have a time when there will be an element of choice, whether you'd like to do some prayer or whether you'd like to uh, write or say uh, a lament uh, personally uh, and on your own or whether you want to get into groups and pray and so on so there'll be an element of choice but we'll just take a moment of quiet